Welcome to the Young Pro Podcast, where our goal is to better equip people working with young adults to grow God's kingdom. Today, almost every missional outreach is started by pursuing some sort of event, whether it be a Bible study, prayer meeting, or something similar. But what if that's the first mistake that will limit your outreach to almost exclusively being able to reach people who are already Christian on some level? I'm your host, Travis Wiesenberg, and this is the Young Pro Podcast. Welcome to the Young Pro Podcast. Today we're talking environments, events, and programs. Welcome back, Mike, to the show. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, Travis. <laughs> Good to hear. So, so far, just to recap what all we've covered here on Young Pro. In episode one, we looked at the reality that young professionals are facing. So if right, right now you're thinking, I know a young professional, a young adult when I see one, but I don't really know what makes them a young professional besides their relative age, and I, de- I definitely don't know what specific problems their demographic is facing. I'm just going to ask that you pause this episode, head back to episode one, The Young Professional Reality, because there are some, just some key concepts in there that are just going to make everything moving forward make a whole lot more sense. So just head back there. Uh, and then jump back into into what we got going on today. But after that, I sat down with Luis in Dallas in Ann Arbor and heard how the YPO in Ann Arbor got started and gained a lot of practical wisdom from those two guys. I think if you had the time, go listen to some of their stories. They've had some surprisingly fruitful activities that might help your specific young professional outreach in your community. And now we're just getting out of a, a two-part episode series on go and come work. Now, if you are in a young professional outreach or just even any other Christian evangelistic outreach, whether that be UCO, SBO, or just doing missional activities in your community, and you haven't yet listened to episode three and four and are unfamiliar with the term go and come work, I'm again going to ask that you just stop this podcast, head back to episode three, go and come work, and work your way from there to this podcast. Because if you don't have the concepts in those two podcasts down, then this podcast becomes a lot less useful. There's really just only so much you can do with the information in this podcast if you don't have that foundation of the concepts in the Go and Come Work and Intentional Love podcast. But finally, today, we're talking environments, events, and programs with a heavy emphasis on environments. So Mike, what exactly is an environment in the context of a young professional outreach? Sure, Travis. Um, an environment, when, when you think of it, the environment you live in, you're actually generally just thinking about your surroundings, uh, those especially that affect you more than, than those that don't. So when you do your biology class in 10th grade, you start running into this word and getting it defined. You know, what is my ecosystem? What is my, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. What's the environment like? Um, but it's usually the things that, that, that affect us. We tend to avoid the things that don't work, you know, like I'm not going into an environment where there's no oxygen because I will die. Uh, and fish don't say, you know, well, fish don't say anything, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't say, oh, I can't wait until I can get up there and go sit in a movie theater. Um, the environment is good or bad. We select 
the ones that are good for us. We reject the ones that are bad for us. So an environment might be too hot or too cold, and therefore you don't go into it. Too crowded, too messy, uh, ugly, or it could be beautiful. People are attracted to good environments. Good environments work for what they are, for who they are, just simply as human beings. Fun environments work better than awkward environments. <laughs> Take a party, for example. Uh, how, how many people want to stay in an awkward situation? They don't. They leave it because it's not the kind of environment that they're looking for. So one of the things that we're trying to do when we look at working with especially uh, new people coming into our uh, outreach is putting together the kind of environment that will draw them back that, because they say, this is just a great environment. So that's what an environment generally uh, does. Relational environments especially focus on quality relationship building. Uh, so it's not like a, a sports environment or a holiday environment or a pub environment. One of the main things that you're looking for in a relational environment is that it actually produces and has good relationships. And good relational environments are just critical to our work. Hmm. Yeah. I think uh, something I've seen a lot in outreaches that have started is that they usually start with an event. They usually start with a prayer meeting or a Bible study or a retreat. Even that'd probably be more like a program. But you're you're saying that an environment is actually more of the way to go for for this demographic. Why why is that? Yeah. Uh, again, I, I, let me say a couple of things about uh, environments or events and programs first, and say why they're not, um, and then why uh, environments are. Uh, events are, are generally more purpose-driven. Mm. You put on an event with a purpose in mind. Um, and generally, an event is defined by the fact that everybody at that event is doing the same thing now. They're focusing on uh, something. So you come to a, uh, a presentation, and the focus is who is saying what. Uh, what did they say? You might have a discussion time. You might even have some um, food and drinks afterwards where people might be able to stand around and relate to one another, et cetera, et cetera. But the event is driven by the purpose. Have this talk be given. Uh, you go to a movie uh, for a specific purpose. I'm going to get entertained. I go to church to fulfill my obligation or to, to worship God. You go to school to learn. You go to a school board meeting to figure out how to help students learn. But these are events that you go to. Um, and even in our circles, things like a Life in the Spirit seminar is an event. Well, it's actually even a program. Uh, a, a, a prayer meeting, that'd be more commonly an event. And then a program is just simply a string of events. Mm -hmm. So you do a Life in the Spirit seminar, and you go, that's a program. Uh, you go to a Fan and Flame weekend, it's a program. Uh, most retreats are just a specific form of events. If people are looking for your event, they'll find you. Hmm. If they're not looking for an event, they're not looking for an event. And it's hard to sell them something that they're not actually looking for. It's like walking into a, a grocery store and I'm here to buy oranges. It doesn't matter how much the potatoes are on sale <laughs> or how well they're being presented. And even have them right there, first thing I see when I come in the store. If what I'm doing is I'm coming to buy oranges, I'm ignoring the potatoes. Uh, so you have events that people want to come to. They will come to those events, generally speaking. But that's not what you're trying to put out. So, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think as an outreach, we're trying to actually reach the people that aren't already coming. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time, the people that are coming are already Christians in some level. And if we're trying to reach people who are not, I think a common mistake that you're speaking of is we, we put on the same events, we put on the same formation type material that we would that we would give to someone who is already a Christian. When in reality, that's just not what they want to buy. Yeah. So I guess what what do they what do they want to buy? Again, I think we've said this a couple of times. We'll be coming back to it many times, which is young professionals, generally speaking, have experienced a loss of relationship at this phase of life. They're trying yeah. to build stable, consistent, good relationships. It's a need that they have, and we can fill that need. When we talk about a relational environment, uh, some of our jargon, we'll, we'll use this a little bit more later on uh, as we get into some of the other presentations. But mm-hmm. we talk about a relational environment as a C-level environment. Sea level environment, everybody is welcome. You're not trying to get them to come up the river, come upstream. You're just providing something at sea level mm-hmm. uh, for people. It's relational. It's easy. It's winning. It's the kind of thing that people would be, yeah, I would come to that uh, environment because they're not questioning what's the purpose of an environment. Mm-hmm. They're just asking, is it a good environment? Sounds like a good environment. Yeah, I'd come for tacos. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, but what's the purpose of the environment? Uh, well, let's eat tacos. Right. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not so hard. It's not even a purpose. You just go, okay, no, it's a relational environment. So when you put this together with the go and the come work, typically your first contacts with people are when you go. Somebody at the gym, somebody at work, new friends in the neighborhood, whoever you meet, et cetera, et cetera. You go, that's your first contact. The second contact is generally bringing them to a relational environment. So they come to your come environment, your relational environment, your C-level environment. Uh, and then the third contact is they come back. Hmm. So if you're really looking at this, you go, the steps in this, go. You might have to go three or four times, then come, and then come back, come back, come back. And by that time, you're going to start having the kind of relationship, the kind of friendship uh, with, the, with, with someone that they say, I like being around you and your friends. And therefore, yes, I would come to an event. Now they're ready to come to an event, and you mm-hmm. can propose, you know, here, uh, here's, here's a good event. But let me go back to the, the, the C-level environment. What I think in some ways it's easier to define a C-level environment, uh, a relational environment, by what it's not first. And then we can talk more about what it is. Um, <clears throat> the key thing is that uh, a good relational environment should not put the people off who have come into the environment. <laughs> you know, you can have a you can have a you can have a lousy Christian environment. Yeah, but it's a Christian environment. Yeah, but it's still lousy. <laughs> I've been in those. Yeah, and yeah. as as you, you go, I don't know that I want to go back there. Why? Because it's a bad environment or it's a lousy environment. It's not a it's not a beautiful environment. Um, so, uh, what you don't want to have at a sea level, a highly welcoming uh, environment, you need to get rid of a whole set of things like of Christian jargon. For sure. And mm. odd behavior. Like just odd human behavior, much less odd Christian <laughs> behavior. Um, you know, so could you do a blessing before the meal? Yeah, you can get, a ba- get away with that, certainly in the U.S. Um, you know, you can have some minor Christian decor. You know, is there a cross on a wall somewhere or, uh, you know, a picture of a church? Or You can get away with, with that. But if they're coming in and what they're seeing is this guy is really, really, really all about his Christianity and it's broad broadcasting loudly uh, mm. here, 
you go, I'm not sure I'm going to want to come back to that uh, environment. Another thing, I, I think we need to get uh, out of our sea level environments is the Christian jargon that we tend to use. Uh, that is not to say that the, that is bad stuff. It's fine. It's just not appropriate for that level. Right. When I think of, you know, like going into work, I don't say, hey, brother, <laughs> to a guy who I know he's not a Christian, uh, he is an atheist, he's a Muslim or whatever. I wouldn't use that terminology. I'd address him by his name. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what should be going on at the sea level environment. Uh, you don't say to someone, hey, come on in and meet all the brothers and sisters. He goes, what are you talking about, brothers and sisters? I don't even know these people. They're not even friends yet. Why do you call them brothers and sisters? Right. So you've got to get rid of that stuff. You've got to get rid of the side hugs and figure out, okay, when people come into this environment, what do we do? Well, we shake hands yeah. or don't, depending on how much your environment, typical environment for that age group does stuff like that. So you don't want to do a set of things. You don't want to have a set of things happening in your environment that you say, this will put them off. This will make them feel awkward. This will make them feel uncomfortable. This will make them feel unwelcome and they're never going to come back. And it's, again, part of the reason why if what you do is you invite someone to a, a full-on charismatic prayer meeting as the first thing you invite them to, don't be surprised that they don't come back. This is not where they are. They're not used to this environment at all. Hmm. So the environment needs to be a good human environment where all human beings could survive in it. It not, can't be the rarefied environment of a highly committed radical discipleship group. Yeah. Because people just go, that's not my environment. I don't, I can't survive in that environment. Yeah. I, I've heard you talk about this before and I, I think something that it just really jumped out to me then and you're touching on now is, is coming to a jargon filled environment with people you don't know doing things that are weird is not a strategy for success. That's a strategy for failure. And mm -hmm. I, but it's often what we do. Um, this also just makes me think of an example from, from my life. A guy was, was talking to me some I'm in college so I'm doing university Christian outreach stuff and and he was talking to me about some of the guys who are who are in university Christian outreach and he was like what I think is so peculiar so different is that I can talk to this guy and I can tell that he's Christian he's about what he wants he and and what he believes in but also at the in the same conversation I'm talking to him about the new the new movie that just came out and he was so struck by that because most of the Christians he'd met really did, couldn't relate to him on where he was at. And I think having the guy who he's talking to, being able to speak about movies, being able to speak about things that were he was at, allowed him, this guy, to then see himself more more ably being able to come into a Christian community because he sees himself in the people that he's talking to. And I think a lot of times if, we, if we're using jargon, we're using things that people don't ever do, they're never going to feel comfortable in, in coming into that environment. With that being said, what are some of the qualities of a successful outreach environment must have? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to actually go after a couple of the Christian uh, values that I think characterize a successful uh, outreach environment. Um, so I think our environments should be filled with peace, joy, mm -hmm. kindness, hospitality, service, a whole set of the, the basic Christian virtues. Yeah. Because those are also basic human virtues. It, Christ wasn't the first one to talk about kindness. He wasn't the first one to talk about serving your neighbor. He wasn't the first one to talk about hospitality. Human beings have been recognizing the value of this, you know, forever. You know, what makes for a good family? 
Well, a peaceful family is a good family. What makes for a good neighborhood? Well, where neighbors serve one another. So that kind of thing, you just you, you can say, yes, these are very clearly Christian virtues, but they're human virtues. Hmm. Uh, the, the Greek philosophers would talk about you know, these. And, and, and therefore, we want to have an environment that is a virtue environment, not a vice environment, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, in fact, part of what you, your trick is when you get into some of the vice behaviors, how do you handle them? Uh, that could be another podcast at some other point yeah. in time. But, but just simply saying, well, main thing you do is you just uh, move the conversation away from that kind of uh, behavior. Or you set up the environment so that people are in the environment. No, no, that's not what this environment is about. And I don't want to ruin this environment mm-hmm. by, you know, doing something that I might expect to do at a, you know, a college alcohol driven party. Right. Yeah, no, that's so. So the right kind of uh, things, uh, the right kind of speech uh, and relating, uh, you know, upbuilding speech, uh, inviting speech, welcoming speech, etc. Not being shocked by worldly speech, uh, but mainly ignoring that. So you have a set of those kinds of qualities that I think make a uh, relational environment stronger. Good food, yeah. You know, have enough heat on in the house when you're in Minnesota in the winter. Yes, <laughs> right. of course. Um, so that people will say, yeah, I would come back to that environment because it's a good environment. But especially focusing on the kinds of things that human beings think, you know, this is nice. I like this. This is good. I feel I feel comfortable here. I feel welcomed here. I enjoy uh, being in this situation. Um, so it has a lot of that kind of uh, stuff in the environment. The last one I go to, back to, uh, just to plug it again, is the genius for friendship. If you've got a good environment, that environment is characterized by the fact that the people in the environment, environment are introducing their new friends to their old friends. Mm-hmm. And their old friends are getting to know the, the new friends. And people go, wow, this is a great environment because I felt loved. There was a place for me to connect to people. They felt welcome. They're going to want to come back. Um, so our goal for a good environment is have it be a good environment that somebody would say, I want to come back to that environment. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think we'll, we'll touch into, we'll go deeper into that in the next couple of podcasts and how to, how to do that well. Um, but I want to, I want to leave you young pro listeners with a couple of questions that I want you to take to your own outreaches. And thinking about your your outreaches and your environments, events, and, and programs. First one is, is my outreach mainly an event-based ministry or an environment-based ministry? And if it's an envir- event-based ministry, are the people coming around your outreach mainly Christians finding you or non-Christians that you're reaching out? I'll say that one more time. Is my outreach mainly an event-based ministry or an environment-based ministry? And if it's an event-based ministry, are the people coming around your outreach mainly Christians finding you or non-Christians that you are actually reaching out to? Second question, do I have any C-level environments in my outreach or is my C-level event truly at the C-level? So are you are you having any C-level environments and is the environment you or event you have really at the C-level and what could you do to make it more welcoming to those who are even very much opposed to Christianity. And then last question, do people who come to your events, environments or events for the first time, leave with five new friends? That's something that we, we see as a critical metric that, that you could think of is, is if someone's coming here for the first time, are they having five people come up to them 
and actually building friendships, finding those commonalities between them, seeing the image of God in them and working to have intentional love filled conversations. So are the people coming to your environments for the first time? Do they leave with five new friends? And if they don't, what does your outreach need to do to build more friendships? That's all from us today. We, uh, Mike, thank you for, for coming to the show. Bradley, good to be here, as always. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you, to you soon, Young Pro listeners. Okay, one last thing. Like and subscribe to this episode wherever you're listening. Also, please share this with the other people in your community that this would be helpful for. We really want to get this into the hands of the people who are actually out on the ground doing the work. There's a link to our contact sheet in the description if you want to be notified when new podcasts and YPO trainings are dropping. But until next time, young pros, keep building the kingdom. Peace.